right. Well, if you are joining us and you're new, we have been in a seven-week uh, series, and we're in week six. And so I'm going to do a little bit of review to kind of catch you up in the next couple minutes. But I would encourage you uh, to go online our podcast or watch um, the Brentwood services to be able to catch up a little bit. So here we go. Let's do a little review. All right. You ready? You with me? Okay, I don't believe you. All right, let's go. All right, week one, we talked about our story in the last 20 years of fellowship and what God has been doing in and through the seasons and what fellowship has looked like. And out of, out of that uh, story, we've come to identify five core values of kind of our DNA and what God has deeply shaped in us of like who we are as a body, as a community of faith. And those would be our core values. So out of that, we've, we've come up with these five values that we want to live by and be shaped by of what God has done in us and, and who we aspire to be even. So since these are we statements that we own these together as a church, I want you to read these out loud with me, okay? We are word-centered, spirit-dependent, better together, courageously real, and not about ourselves. Okay, so if that is our values, our DNA as a church, and then Rob went on in week two, uh, week three, to talk about what is a mission of a church? What is a mission called to? What are they to be about? And he drew a big uh, target up there. And on the outer ring of the bullseye is every human on the planet Earth is made to glorify God. They're to find their lives in him and to, be, and to glorify God with all that they are and all that they do. That's, that's the purpose of every person. And then every church, Jesus gave the same mission to every church on the planet. So if you step in and that bullseye, the next ring in there is every church's mission should be about going and making disciples of Jesus and teaching all that he's taught them to others and to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then at the center of the target, every church is placed in a local context. So how does that church make disciples where they are, where they're placed? And so our church in 2018 is in Williamson County, and we have a, a unique culture around us and a unique context. And so in light of that culture and context, we uh, came this mission locally to live this out. So this is our mission. We exist to glorify God and make disciples by helping people find wholehearted life in Jesus. And so if you're new, probably the question you're asking is, what is wholehearted life in Jesus? Glad you asked. When the Bible talks about the heart, it talks about that this is the heart is the core of the person where everything is governed by the heart. It's the central operating system of a person. And in the fall, due to sin, the heart kind of exploded. And exploded is the wrong word, probably. But it, but it became fragmented and disjointed and not unified. And so people started living out of different parts of their heart. And so when the heart is talked about in Scripture, the heart, it, it has thoughts and emotions and desires and choices. And Jesus wants us not to live out of compartmentalized hearts, but out of our whole hearts where we're living all of life with God. And so the terms of defining the heart that we talked about looking at the scriptures are thoughts and choices and desires and emotions. And so if those are the parts of our hearts and what is wholehearted life? 
wholehearted life in Jesus is when our thoughts, emotions, desires, and choices unite and come together to find our deepest longings and our greatest hopes fulfilled in Jesus alone. So if that's the definition, and if you missed the theology of the heart uh, message, I would encourage you again, go back and listen to it. It's one of the best messages that I've heard on the heart is the totality of scripture and what Jesus has been doing and God has been doing throughout all of humanity and all of the 66 books of the scriptures. And that's the definition then, that's what we're aiming for. That's what we're after. Then what are, what does this look like? What does wholehearted life in Jesus look like? If someone is pursuing Jesus and being transformed by Jesus and Jesus is the center of their life, what are the characteristics of wholehearted life? What does wholehearted life look like in an individual? Another way of saying that, what does maturity look like in a disciple of Jesus? And this is where we unpacked this a little bit in the characteristics last week. And when someone's thoughts are being transformed, we believe that it renews their mind. They have renewed thinking. Their emotional life being transformed produces healthy relationships. Their desires being transformed, their satisfied soul and their choices being transformed, it turns into an active faith. We talked about how all these go together. And when we walk through, we're very intentional about how we walk through the heart, but we don't just go on the outer ring. We don't just go thoughts, uh, ch- uh, choices, uh, emotions, and desires. We don't go around clockwise. We actually go kind of at a diagonal and then over and then back up. Well, why do we do that? Well, let me tell you why we do that. We believe that when you're able to have a renewed mind, when you're reading God's word and the truth of God's word and the truth of Jesus, the living word of God is coming into someone's thought life, it changes the lies they would have tendency to believe that their worth and value is based on how they look or what they own or what they do. It's not based on any of those things. And so the lies and of those things are actually replaced with the truth and they have a renewed mind. And then as they live with God and in life and all of life, there are emotions. God has made us emotional beings and we have emotions. We experience the world. And as we adapt and reflect on that, God actually changes how we live and experience life with him and with others. So it shapes our life of how we live with God, how we live with others and how we live with ourselves. And as we are being transformed in that area, we actually start to see that our relationships get healthy. We have healthy relationship with God, healthy relationship with ourselves and with others. And then if we come over to the desire quadrant of the heart, now think about this. How many of us ever ask the question of why I chose that or why I'm giving so much time of that? Or the desires quadrant is actually getting at the motivations of why you do something. It's getting after the, uh, uh, the, the language of what, what Rob talked about, of a thirsty soul. That so many of us in life will chase after something to fill our desires and to fill our lives with temporal things. It's why we chase after uh, a bigger house or we, we want a new job or we think that this amount of money will actually satisfy, but we keep coming back and back and back and we, there's never enough and we're never satisfied chasing the temporal things of life because only God can change this part of our life. He can, he's the only one that can change our de- desires and our motivations. And Jesus, he actually calls people, he says, come to me all who are thirsty. Why? because he knows he is the only one who can satisfy our soul. And how many of us can testify when we go chasing after temporal things, do we ever feel 
satisfied. We always need more. And so it's only God who can satisfy our soul. And then I want to talk a little bit about, well, why, why do we go through it that way? Well, here's why. Because when we look in and we harness in and we take away all, all the other things, at the center of this is the cross. At the center of this life is the finished work of Jesus. The gospel is not just something that we believed once for salvation and then just try to be a good girl or boy and, and wait till heaven. No, the gospel is actually the good news of Jesus's finished work on behalf of us by grace that we can be adopted sons and daughters, that we can be transformed, that we can actually have new life in Jesus, that we can have a new heart. And as Jesus is the center of our faith, we realize that we cannot live the life he calls us to in our own strength, that it is actually impossible to live the life God calls us to without God. He's designed it that way. And he's given us the Holy Spirit that now indwells us, that empowers us to live out and make choices that actually live out an active faith that glorify God in all of our life. It's only in trusting Jesus, not just once, but continually relying and being dependent on him that we can live lives that glorify him that we can be people that would consider others, that we would be people that would love our neighbors as ourselves. So we would be people who love our enemies. Try to do that without being empowered by the spirit or Jesus at the center. And I would just say, good luck. <laughs> it's never gonna happen. And who can satisfy our soul? The only one who can satisfy our thirsty soul and what we actually desire and we're made for is Jesus alone. So these are the characteristics of a, a, a cross-centered life that is, is pursuing Jesus in a wholehearted way. So if our values are who we are, if our mission is what we do, then our characteristics are what this looks like, then we are gonna get to today, of, we answer the questions of why we exist and, and who we are and what we're aiming for, but now we're gonna ask the question, how? How are we gonna live this out? How are we going to live this out individually? How are we going to live this out as a church? What are we going to pursue together? And so we're going to be talking about strategy today. Now, some of you are like, what? I don't like strategy. I don't even know what you're talking about. Why are we talking about strategy today? And some of you are like, I eat strategy for breakfast. Bring it on, okay? So this morning, the reason why we're asking, um, talking about strategy, and normally we would expose the text, and, and we're going to get into that in our next series, is because we believe it's so important for each one of you to not only know why we're doing what we're going to do and who we are and what we're pursuing together, but how you as an individual pursue wholehearted life in Jesus. We want to move everybody in our church, not just from a spectator or a consumer, which is so rampant in the church today. We want everyone to see your place in this, to see your place as how we live this out as a church. And we believe that we want to make it so simple that each one of you could draw it on a napkin. So simple that you, you know how to not only replicate it, but you also know what your part is, what you're called to, how you live this out, but you also could even teach someone else and draw this for someone else. Why a napkin? I'm so glad you asked that question. There have been so many businesses and ideas that have started over a coffee or a lunch and someone pulled out a cocktail napkin and drew a little doodle and then that business was started from a, from a napkin. 
Sorry, use cocktail napkin, just a napkin, okay? Let's just say that, <laughs> just kidding. So uh, does anyone know what this represents, this, this napkin drawing, does anyone know what this represents? Southwest Airlines. Now, Southwest Airlines, I love that they even had the coffee mark. I, think, I bet you they did that afterwards just because they knew it was gonna be famous. But they sat down in a meeting and they were, they were talking about starting an airline and they, they started with a very centralized idea. We're not gonna launch just a U.S. or internationally right away. But what we're going to do is we're going to focus in Texas, in this, this tri-city area, Dallas, Houston, and San Antonio. There's, we're gonna, we're gonna, this is going to be our niche, and we're going to build this out. And they just drew this little triangle, and they mapped it out, and that was their strategy, and that's how Southwest began. At least what the internet says, how Southwest began. <laughs> and so you think about this, like this simple concept that they drew on a napkin, has actually launched all of us to really appreciate that bags fly free, okay? <laughs> so think about that. I mean, it started on a napkin. I'm gonna give you another one. Uh, in, uh, in 1998, Citigroup uh, City formed two companies, Citicorp and Travelers Group, were coming together, and they were forming, and they're merging together, and they were like, okay, how do we represent kind of what this merger is gonna mean and who we're gonna become and what kind of corporation we're gonna be like? And... They hired a design firm, paid them $1.5 million, and they sat down, and it was their, one of their first meetings, and they sat down, they went over all the challenges that the merger would come up with and all these things, and they said, okay, here's what we're doing, here's what we want to be about, here's kind of what we want to communicate in our logo, and here's why it's important, blah, blah, blah. The designer literally starts sketching out as they're talking, slides the napkin over to them, and says, I think this is your logo. And the guy, one of the guys from the Citigroup says, that's not just our logo, that's a $1.5 million napkin, okay? So like, to this day, they still have that logo. Now there's a famous, uh, famous one I didn't use, but Picasso, somebody went up with a napkin and said, hey, draw me something, Picasso, and he did this little dog. Has anyone ever seen this thing? And he drew this little dog on there. And then he said, well, how, much, you know, how much would it be? She said, he said, $40,000. He said, well, that took you like five seconds. And so you can Google that one. But that one's kind of got rumors around it, so I didn't use it. But all sorts of different things, all sorts of different things have started with a simple concept that people were able to grasp and understand with clarity. Now, what, what the human brain is designed for is clarity and simplicity, so with design, design companies are designing things where you see icons and shapes first, you see colors second, and you see text third. So anytime that you now see an ad, you're going to see Target has spent millions and millions of dollars. Every time that you see the bullseye, it doesn't even have the word Target on it. And you know, I'm going to spend all my money there, right? Um, it's just wired in our brain. So that's what we want to do with strategy. We want it to be so simple. And honestly, guys, you guys are going to be like, that is really simple. And we hope it is. We hope it is because we hope that you can not only articulate it, replicate it, but you can own it. Because that's what we're inviting you into. How do we live this life? Acts 1.8, Jesus with disciples. This is the text that was read. With his disciples, before he ascends and go into heaven, I mean, he gives them how the strategy of the church, how, the, how they're gonna reach the remotest parts of the earth. And he says, you will receive power and the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses. So you have the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. You're my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, remotest parts of the earth. Now think about this. The Spirit's gonna come. You're gonna be my witnesses. 
But think about the movement that Jesus is talking about. Where are we sitting today? In 2018, we're in Franklin, Tennessee. Do you think those disciples at that moment were thinking about, oh, one day there's gonna be people in Franklin, Tennessee who are gonna meet together and gather at a church and proclaim the name of Jesus as disciples of Jesus, making disciples. We are the remotest part of the earth. But how simple it was that be a witness where you are and expand that out and expand that out and expand that out. And the gospel is going to go to the ends of the earth. And so it's a simple strategy. Jesus could have drawn it on a napkin, right? I don't know. Maybe he did. Maybe he took some papyrus out and drew it down there. I don't know. But this is what we want to do. So this is what we're going to do today. I'm going to draw uh, our strategy and walk us through um, what and, and, and how and, and what this looks like. But anytime that I, I talk about strategy, I want you to think about this. When you think about two things, venues and rhythms, venues and rhythms. So the venues are where this happens. The rhythms are how often this is going to happen. So those are two things that are going to be, become um, that we're going to talk about uh, as we walk through our strategy. Then at the end, when I get done, so you don't have to take good notes, you don't have to do anything like that. I want it to be so simple that you all are going to take a napkin and you're going to draw it, okay? You're all going to become artists today, all right? So what, are, what is at the center of what we are after at Fellowship Bible Church? We are at wholehearted life in Jesus. That's at the center of what we do and what we're aiming for. And that's what we want to be about. So we put that at the center of everything. It's going to shape everything that we do. Wholehearted life in Jesus is going to shape everything that we do. The first venue, and I'm going to draw two shapes. It's going to be squares and circles. The first venue that we're going to call every person to, uh, to do once a week is to gather at your church. So this is very simply just your church to come once a week, your church. Now, what do we mean by your church? We mean to come and experience a worship service, worship service, to worship in one service and to serve in another. So worship, serve model, that we want you to gather weekly as the church and to be about that, to come together as a church and this is a worship service, to worship one service and to serve in another. Now, we know that some of you aren't going to serve on Sundays, but you're going to serve in student ministry on Wednesdays, or you're going to serve in some other capacity in men's and women's or in some other thing outside our four walls. But we want every person who calls Fellowship Bible Church home to worship in one service and serve in some capacity. And when we talk about this, is uh, why would this be of utmost importance? Well, uh, what, they've, what they've found, is, uh, studies have been showing across the United States that church attendance is continually going down and down and down. When I, when I was growing up in church, we had Wednesday night church, we had Sunday morning church and Sunday night church. Anyone else grew up in the church and that was like your rhythm, okay? Now we're like, hey, please just come like two times a month on Sunday morning, you know, like that's, but like think about like the implications and, and what the studies are showing is that when people are engaged regularly in coming and gathering at a church, it not only impacts them spiritually, but it also impacts their relational life, their family life, and it gives so many more benefits to all those things. Now, I'm not talking about just pragmatism. I'm saying, well, why? Why is that? Well, that's because they have relationships. 
They're serving and they're investing with others. They're known. They're not just attending. They're actually vested in relationships with others. So when hard things happen, they actually have others that know that hard things are happening. They actually know that uh, a marriage is in trouble. And so they, they get things early on rather than in isolation or where nobody knows them and things happen. So we actually gave you guys a, a survey in May and it showed that 60% of you come four times a month, which the guys who, who gave the survey were like, that's unheard of. We actually have never seen a church that 60% come four times a month. That's, that's unreal. That's awesome. And we were like, he's just like, Are, do you think your church is maybe lying? And we said, no, no, I don't think they're lying. I think they're confused, but I don't think they're lying. No. But honestly, that's awesome. But like the average church attendance in the nation is 1.8 times a month. And the implications for families where their kids are only coming 1.8 times a month, what they're saying in the next generation, that kids are not gonna value church and gathering together and finding community and that it's of utmost importance because their parents didn't value it. That's such an interesting thing of how it has ramifications. So we are simply saying, okay, if we're gonna, if we're gonna call it to be a church, to gather on Sundays, to come under the teaching of the word, to worship together, to serve one another, to use our gifts of the Holy Spirit, to further and mature one another, we need one another and we need one another weekly. Like this needs to be a weekly rhythm. So this is our first weekly rhythm, your church worship service. The second uh, rhythm that we want you guys and venue is when we talk about just walking in community with others. And I'm just going to draw three stick figures. And then they're, they got their arms kind of wrapped around each other in support of each other. And this is just your group. And the way that we're going to define group at fellowship is 20 or less people uh, helping each other pursue wholehearted life in Jesus. So this could be, um, you know, during the week, you know, at a, at a women's uh, group or a men's group, or we have tons of different groups or a fellowship group at home. But we want everyone to be in regular, and we say weekly. We know that it's not always going to be weekly, but we want you to be known and know others and are helping others pursue wholehearted life in Jesus together. And the, the reason is, is that we need each other, that we are not built to live this life on our own. We need one another. I was having a conversation with Melissa just a couple weeks ago, and she said, Eric, you know, the thing that I don't think you realize is that you actually need others to see God, to see more of who God is and what he is like and the diversity of thought and, and different perspectives and people coming alongside and the different giftings and personalities. You actually get a bigger glimpse and more fuller glimpse of who God is. And I think that's exactly right, that your group is going to produce that as you are walking with others, helping one another pursue wholehearted life in Jesus. And we want you to do these two things weekly. We want you to be involved in your church and your group. Now, the other two rhythms are daily rhythms. So these are things that we want you to do daily, but we want you to do 365 days a year. This is every day all the time. And this is engaging your walk. And the way that we're going to illustrate this is just by drawing a road. And that's you on your journey in your walk. One of the things that uh, as we started looking at um, what helps people grow and helps people mature in the faith is one of the things that every study has come back that has ever done anything on spiritual formation or spiritual growth. Do you know what the, one, the number one thing that uh, 
signifies whether someone is growing in their relationship with God. They're reading their Bible daily. They're engaged and intentionally engaged in God's word every day. And the second is way down the list. So what we have decided at Fellowship is that we want to equip you in your walk. We want to be about you intentionally every day living life with God and we want to equip your walk. And so how, one of the things that we want to do is we want to do more things like the 40 days of prayer where we're equipping you of how to pray and, and, and helping you engage God every day. But we also want to give you a very simple uh, Bible study method that it helps you engage the scriptures wholeheartedly. We want you to be able to grow on your own, to engage God where you are on your walk, to every day be able to engage God. And so we are going to come alongside you and equip you in whatever ways that we can so that you intentionally live out this and on your walk. The other thing that we want to do is we want to encourage you to be intentional. And the other place of your daily rhythm is your world. We know that you leave this space and you engage your world. Well, how are we defining your world? This is what we mean by your world. We just mean where you live. So we're going to draw a little house. Where you work and where you play. That you would be intentional and live out an active faith where you live, where you work, and where you play. You are the vehicle that God wants to distribute his grace and distribute the gospel to others. And we believe you best do that with the places that you already in, where you live, where you work, and where you play. So let me talk about just these individually. What does this look like? Well, where you live. We want you to live out your faith where you live. And so very simply what that looks like is being able to help and just equip you to be able to, if you're a parent or you're a grandparent, if you've got kids or grandkids, we want you to be the primary disciple maker of your children. And so we want to come alongside you as the church and help you do that daily, that you're going to be living out your faith in front of your kids. And so many of us are like, well, I was never really actively discipled by my parents. So what does this look like? Well, we want to help develop tools and resources for you to be able to do that. One of the things that JJ, our family discipleship pastor, has just begun launching, we get throw this image up there, and this is in our lobby but they have a resource center of the faith trails. And so in this faith trail, we want you just to be able to go there and have a conversation with JJ about what does this look like for me to kind of walk a path of faith development with my kids. And so under that, there's different resources for a different each phase of development for your kids. And so we just want to come alongside you as parents and grandparents to be able to do that. Now, where you live is not just for um, like how you live life if you have kids or if you're married. It's where you live, your neighbors. Each of you are engaged or placed in a place that has um, other people that are living alongside you. And so we want you to engage in that way. There's actually an opportunity uh, for those of you who are married uh, to jump into a group uh, that impacts your world. It's called Reengage. You can actually look at the program and dive into that. That's a 17-week um, uh, journey through that. And then also in your group, we have where you can engage in, in January to be able to jump into a fellowship group. When we talk about your world, we want you to think about this isn't just for like adults. This is for students. 
This is for you kids who go to school. This is where you live, work, and play. It's where you study. It's where God has placed you. So if we go back to our strategy on the map, it's where you live. It's where you work. Now, we want to be very intentional about giving you tools of how do you share your story with the gospel at the center to where you, with coworkers, to people that you work with, how does, how does your work matter? Like, how does, we want to help equip that. We want to help uh, blow wind in your sails of like, no, your work does matter. And God has placed you in a place and work is actually one of the things that we want to help equip you to actually live out your faith there. One of the places of where you, where you play. Well, what are you just naturally kind of just, you, you know, where your gym or where you, kind of, where you kind of live life, your kid's soccer team, your soccer team. So this is what this looks like to be intentional with this. And then I'm going to draw a couple continents here. And that's our strategy of literally living out Acts 1-8, that we want to be witnesses of Jesus, empowered by the Spirit, not just here in Franklin, Tennessee, not just here in Nashville, not just here in the United States, but to the ends of the earth. And so that's our global, that's our global ministry of partnering alongside global partners that we get to pour into and invest into so we get to see the gospel go to the ends of the earth. And in Global Christmas, you're going to have an opportunity not only to hear more about that, but to jump in on that, to be able to say, I'm in. I want the gospel not only here to invade Franklin, Tennessee, but I want the gospel to go to the remotest parts of the earth. And so some of you are going to pray for that. Some of you are going to give and some of you are going to go. There's going to be opportunities for all of those, but that's, that's your world. And this is, this is how I want to just connect all of these things. These, this is a weekly rhythm. You have a, a daily and you have a weekly Weekly, we want you to engage in your church and your group. And daily, we want you to engage in your walk and your world. And so at Fellowship, we were just like, okay, that's, that's good, it's simple. But the problem with that is that it would be so easy for us just to, this would just be about us. Hey, we want wholehearted life for you. And you're like, yeah, I want wholehearted life too. And you know, and it'd just be just for us. But here's the thing that we want to encourage you about. We are called to make disciples. And so I'm going to put another person in your world. Who is it in your world that God has placed for you to be an intentional witness? Who is it in your neighborhood? Who is it in your school? Who is it in your class? Who is it in your workplace that God has intentionally placed in your life for you to be active in your faith, to go and make disciples? And to symbolize that this is an ongoing process, that we don't just do this once, but this ongoing process. And then we take others with us. We just add an arrow right here, that this is a continual process that we invite others into. Simple, clear, that's what we're hoping for because now you get to draw it, okay? So here's what we're gonna do. Ushers, why don't you come forward? We're gonna give everyone in here, we're gonna give everyone in here a napkin and a marker. And you guys are all gonna be artists, okay? And if you do a good job, we'll put a sticker on it. Okay, so here's, here's, what, here's the reason why we want to draw this together. We want to fight against the culture that would be so easy for us just to consume and just, or just attend and leave. We want you guys to move beyond just spectators, but actually participants. We want you guys to not only own this. I mean, there's going to be some point where someone's going to ask you, well, where do you go to church? And I want you to be able to draw this on a napkin and say, here's what my church is about. It'll help me find wholehearted life in Jesus. 
And so you might even talk about, well, what does your church look like on Sunday mornings? And you can say, well, this is what we do. We kind of take a book of the Bible and we walk through it and we, we call it expository. And we just kind of ask, what is, what is going on here? And, and how does it apply to our lives? And we look at that and, we, you know, here's what worship's like. And I serve in this area and here's why I serve in this area. You're able to kind of talk through that. You're able to talk through, well, this is why I'm in a group because we at Fellowship believe that we're better together. Don't start drawing it yet. Okay, that's cheating. That's cheating. Um, let's, let's erase that on there and I'll erase this here in a second. But we want you, you guys to say, you know what? I'm better together and I need others to see, not only to see God more fully, but I need others to help me walk this life, to pursue wholehearted life in Jesus. You know, and in my church, one of the things I really value and one of the things that we value as a church is that we are engaging God with all that we are every day of our lives. That God is inviting us to know him every single day. Day, and that I get to live out my life with God every single day in my walk. And then we want, um, we want you to be able to articulate, what, is it, what does it look like to reach the world? Well, it starts with you influencing others, sharing the gospel, being a witness for Jesus where you live, work, and play to the ends of the earth. And so here's how we do that at Fellowship. So you could, you'd be able to have that, con- that type of conversation with somebody. All right, now we're going to erase it all. And I'm going to help, you guys are actually going to guide me through this, okay? So I'm going to, I'm going to kind of walk us through. But then as we, as we do each part, I want you to then draw it for yourself. Okay. So at Fellowship Bible Church, what are we pursuing together? Wholehearted life in Jesus. So I'm just going to draw a heart and a cross at the center of that heart. That we're pursuing wholehearted life in Jesus together. A few more are getting their napkins. I'm going to let them catch up. Great. All right. So then when we talk about strategy, we talk about venues and rhythms. So what's the first venue that we're calling each and every person to be part of? Your church. So we're just going to draw a square right here. And we're going to draw a church with a steeple with all the people. And you're going to be at there, and that's your church. And the second venue that we're going to call you to engage in weekly, that we believe that we're better together and that we need one another and to walk this life alongside one another, we want you to engage in your group. So we're going to draw another square. And this is the way that I draw it. I draw three heads floating in the air. And then I draw their body and then the legs. And then a curved kind of, uh, they're grabbing each other, by the sh- wrapping around the shoulders alongside each other. And that's your group. So that's what we call each and every person to, to, to engage with weekly. Then we have our daily rhythms. And in our daily rhythms, the first thing that we want to do is we want to equip you in your walk. So let's write your walk up here and then I'll show you how, how to draw it. We want every person engaging with God every day. And so you kind of just take a curve right there and then you kind of meet, meet them a little. Actually, that's bad. Sorry, don't draw that. That's bad. Kind of where it gets narrower at the bottom. Then a stick figure with a walking stick. This is your, your journey, but this is your walk, representing your walk. That we want every person to engage with God in his word and pray and, 
And whether that's a tool that we're going to give you or whether you're starting there, there's great books at the Resource Center called God's Word for You that you can jump right in, that kind of walk you through. But we want every person engaging your walk, you and your walk. Then the other, the other venue that's 365 days a year daily is your world. This is where we want you to be intentional. This is where we live out making disciples. This is where we're talking about being a witness, not just where you are, but we talk about in three different places that you're going to gonna do this. In where you live, and so we're just going to draw a little house. Where you work, we're going to draw an office building. Where you play, we're just going to draw another space right there. That we want you to engage in your world. And because this is a weekly rhythm, we're going to just connect these just to show that this is a weekly ongoing rhythm. But there's something missing. What's missing? Say it louder. Come on. The other person. At Fellowship, we are not about ourselves. Our transformation, our redemption story, the gospel and wholehearted life in Jesus is not just about our development and our transformation. We exist for others. And so we're going to add this other person to represent that we are called to make disciples and to be witnesses where we live, work, and play and to the ends of the earth. So we're going to draw these continents here. And then to show that it's an ongoing process and that we want to take others with us, we're just going to add an arrow on the outside of your world that just shows this continual process. Now, I hope that each of you feel confident now to be able to sit down with somebody and walk them through. Like, I hope it's that simple. I hope you're almost offended by how simple it is, okay? The reason why, um, the reason why we wanted to make it so simple and so clear is for each one of you to, to know your step, to be able to know what it is that you are to be part of. How do we live this out at fellowship? Well, we live this out by each one of us engaging your church, your group, your walk, and your world. Uh, I was having um, coffee with um, JR this week, a good friend of mine, and we were having coffee and we were talking about some things and, and he, just, he just asked me this question that I thought was so good for us just to evaluate and how we would even respond to this. And one of, the question was, is Jesus at the center of that decision? You know, as if we're pursuing wholehearted life in Jesus, we want Jesus to be the center of every part of our life, of how we live out our faith in every part of our life. So why we would engage or, or not engage in this, we would have to ask the question, is Jesus at the center of that decision? I want each of us to be thinking about, is Jesus at the center of how I live my life, where I live, work, and play? Is Jesus at the center in shaping every part of what I do and how I live life? I want to show you in Acts 2.42, as the church started living out what Jesus was calling them to do, this is what the church started to look like. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking bread and to prayer. So you see this church living out all of life with Jesus at the center and it started to shape not only their lives, 
but it started to shape others' lives as the gospel began moving out. And here we are, 2018, sitting in a room, talking about Jesus being the center, talking about making disciples, being witnesses. And I'm praying for us that this isn't just a strategy, you know, hey, we can draw our strategy on a napkin and it's simple and it's clear. I hope that you, maybe for some of you for the first time, you actually have a tool now that you can engage God in your walk and you can start to engage God and share your faith in your world. I hope that some of you get the opportunity to lead someone else to faith in Jesus. And I hope that maybe a year from now, maybe two years from now, you're up here and you're, you're the one that's actually speaking into someone's life and you're baptizing them because you started walking this process and finding wholehearted life in Jesus for yourself. But you said, this is not just for me. This is for someone who does not know, someone who is not, does not have Jesus at the center of their life. And maybe you're that person that gets to share that powerful story of how you've been transformed by Jesus. That's what I want for our church. I don't want this wholehearted life for you. I want it for you. But I want it for others who aren't even sitting here this morning. Would we be that type of church so empowered by the Spirit, so motivated by the gospel, that we would so clearly articulate our faith where we live, work, and play in every sphere of our life, that Jesus would be at the center of everything we do? Would you stand with me? I, want to, I just want to sing this as a prayer, that Jesus would be the center of everything that we do in every part of our life. Would you sing this as a response 